go from ordinary to extraordinary. Hello, my friend. Welcome to Something for Everybody, the podcast to help those who listen feel more loved and connected through story sharing. My name is Aaron Mashpitz, and my mission is to help you realize your potential and capabilities through conversations and deep insights so you can make your prior best your new baseline. Louisa Valentine joins the podcast today, and she is an empowerment wellness coach. And we break down body image, spirituality, mindfulness, and how important accountability is to your overall growth. This podcast is brought to you by Amare. Amare is the mental wellness company, and I use their products daily. So click the link in the show notes to get $10 off your entire order by using the code EVERYBODY. Now on to episode 145 with Luisa Valentin. Hello, welcome to Something for Everybody. My name is Aaron Mashbitz. Luisa, welcome to the show. Thank you, Aaron, for having me. It's definitely a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, I feel the same way. So let's just jump right in with my very first question, the most important question I'll ask you over the next hour, and it is, how are you doing? Like, really, how are you doing? I'm actually very pumped right now. I just got some good news that a close friend of mine is moving back to New York City, so I... That's helped pump me up for the day, so it's it's encouraging. I'm, I'm so I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. If you had asked me that question a couple of weeks ago, my answer probably would have been a little different. What would your answer would have been? Overwhelmed. <laughs> I you wanna yeah yeah sure. Um, I just had so much going on because as we were just talking about being a nurse, a coach, and also a co-founder to a nonprofit. <clears throat> excuse me. I was just taking everything, everything on, and not practicing what I preach, mm. which is taking time for myself and just getting that reset. And so I realized this, and I was like, "All right." We're going to put the brakes on. And I just took a couple of days where I didn't do anything except for whatever I was truly obligated to do. And just filling my cup back up has given me so much more energy to be able to pour into others. Is a sense of overwhelm something you feel regularly? Or is this new since you sort of jumped right into this coaching endeavor after being or still being a nurse for such a very long time? Yeah, I would say it was something new for me. I've always been pretty good at time management, but it was like there was just so many tasks coming at me that I, I didn't I didn't have the right tools to to operate with them all and to do that juggling act. So I took a break. And then I just refocused and and just prioritized what needed to be done with which avenue of my life at which time. And I've I've been feeling good. Beautiful. Yeah, because that that feeling of overwhelm is is so common, right? For just 
everyone, right? Most of the time, we all just have so much going on. But like you just stated, we don't, we aren't equipped with the tools to handle that, right? Because this sort of emotional regulation, mental skills, all of these tools are not taught in school, which I think that should be added to the curriculum and teachers can be equipped with also to handle their sort of whatever they're dealing with and then be able to pass it on to the children that they see every day. But then when we get into adult life and we have to do all of these things, we have to figure out how to work out, how to go hang out with friends, how to maybe uh, spend time with our partner or do our job or whatever it is. It's like the list can go on and on and on and on and on. And then you add on top of the fact that you're trying to do something amazing, right? That's what we're trying to do, something amazing to help people, to reach people. And it just starts to get overwhelming. And if you're not actively trying to learn these skills or practice the things that you're talking about, it just becomes sort of unmanageable. And then, like you said, you sort of have to take a break and reconsider your values and understand what's important, not what's urgent, and maybe what's urgent and important, sort of filling those buckets out. But it leads me into, into my question of what was the decision for you to enter the, the coaching space? It really happened kind of by accident. Hmm. I Yeah, I've been a nurse, like I said, for almost 20 years. And so I've been coaching along that whole time, you know, my patients and family members and just people in my life. And then I entered um, my spiritual journey. And then I got into the nonprofit aspect of it. And so the nonprofit is aimed towards healing. So there I am. I'm still doing coaching there in a different way and just building people back up. And I had a friend who she is a coach and she just needed volunteers for a project she was doing. And you know, it's been in the back of my head, you know, in my ear, like, oh, you should be a coach. You should be a life coach. You should be a this. And I always laughed it off. But then when I went to, you know, her session, she was like, okay, what's something that we could work on today? And nursing was going well. The nonprofit was going well. So I just threw coaching out there, not even being a hundred percent serious. And Lo and behold, I got serious. Hmm. And so, yeah. And that along with what I'm doing with the women that I work with is something that I myself had lived through. It's something that I struggled with, with prioritizing myself and getting my health together and not just putting everybody else ahead of me. So when you asked me before about the overwhelm, it's not my life now normally, but at one point it really was. Mm -hmm. It was a constant state. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about your, your spiritual journey that you just mentioned. What was that? Sure. Um, after my grandma had passed away, I just, I felt kind of lost. It was like, where do I go now to still feel that connection with her? And I just, I swear from the day she passed away, I was seeing signs, different things. Like she had stayed in my house for a little bit. Um, and I was in my room 
and my TV just came on. I haven't turned on my TV in three years at that point. Literally, it's been plugged in, but I haven't turned it on. And it just came on, came on. And the only reason I had service was because she had stayed with me. So it was like, okay, grandma, I see you. And then it was like, just trying to find my tribe, the people that also connected in this spiritual way. And I did that by going online into Facebook groups until I found this this one place. And it was like, this feels like home. And it was like my soul was able to grow from there. And I was just able to connect further to myself, further to spirit and, and just to, to everyone. It helped me to connect in general. Yeah. I, I think it's such an important aspect of life. Like there's many words to describe what you're talking about here, right? It could be a religious experience. You're talking about the universe, right? Uh, a spiritual experience, right? Whatever word uh, manages to suit well with you, right? But it's, it's sort of about believing in something that's bigger than you, right? So you can have faith when things get hard. And it usually happens after we experience the loss of a loved one, right? Because we're thinking about, you know, how can I go on without this person? They were a guy, they were a light, they were a, a confidant, a friend, you know, a met all of these things, a mentor, right? Maybe as your grandma was to you. And then you think about, okay, how can I still be with them? Are they going to guide me? Are they still going to be the angel on my shoulder? All of these beautiful things. And then you end up rolling into a community that feels the same way as you. And it becomes a, a very powerful tool in your life because, you know, death is never going to come once in our life. You know, maybe it will, like maybe you're the luckiest person ever, but you know, all the people you know and love are, are not going to be around forever. And so we have to experience death, but what can we do to sort of, you know, manage it a little bit better uh, in certain ways, because sometimes it's unpredictable and uncontrollable. Sometimes we see it coming. All of those things are, are challenging. None of them make it any easier, but having something to, to lean on, whether it be a group of people, a faith, a spiritual practice, all of those things become incredibly important. And, you know, my story was is quite similar to you in that regard, that I didn't get into sort of some of these things until, you know, I got punched in the face and kind of had to, um, you know, uh, and so I think your work now is about getting people there before the, the something happens, right? Allowing them to start taking care of themselves proactively right now, today, because you deserve that sort of care for yourself. Oh, yes, definitely. And I, I tell people, give yourself permission because it's like we take on all of the world's problems on our shoulders, on our hearts. And we don't give ourselves that space to just be. And we're existing, we're not living. And our health is so important to that, to living, to having that best quality, quality of life that we can. Because without it, what, what's left? <laughs> yeah, there's not there's nothing really, right? If you're if you're not taking care of yourself, then you don't have really yourself to give to yourself or to anyone else around you. And so, yeah, it starts with that basic foundational fundamental piece of like, I am important. I realize that I am important and I am allowed 
to take care of myself. And it's hard because I think like you're saying, it's this sort of this people pleasing mentality, which is sort of like pseudo covered in kindness, right? It's like people pleasing kindness. It's not the same, right? You can, you can be kind and still not have to give everything to everyone all the time. Kindness doesn't mean you have to like everyone. Kindness doesn't mean you have to get along with everyone. Kindness just means being kind and seeing that you're talking to another real live human being who's also still trying to figure it out and doesn't know what the fuck they're doing just like everyone else. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. Yes, definitely. And that's why I tell people all the time, I'm not a nice person, quote unquote. And I do aim to be kind. I do aim to let you know that I'm here. I am present in this moment. And I can do that without giving all of myself and with still putting up boundaries that doesn't take away from me, but no, I'm not going to be nice and give this false pretense of, I'm going to say what I can say to you to, to make you feel better, to make you feel good. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear if you're asking, because I do care. And that's my way of being kind. Mm -hmm. Yes. I have a, a wonderful friend who's been on this podcast and she likes to say, uh, kind is clear and clear is kind. I you love know, and that. Some, sometimes that's like the thing that we don't really want to hear, but we need it and we need it. And I think it goes back to, I think it, it boils down to a relationship, right? If me and you were just like, we met on the street and I said something that was like sort of mean, but kind of not. And it's like that there's no relationship there. Like, so that just comes off as rude and like, why are you in my business? Like, leave me alone. But like with the people you coach, right? That's all a relationship. You're coaching them. You're seeing them. You're, you're checking out their blind spots. You're working with them on getting present and being more mindful. And then you're saying the thing that they need to hear that they know they've said to themselves, but they're, they're, they're just not sure they want to go there yet. And then you as the coach, the expert, the person who's seeing that is like, no, you got to go there because you're avoiding that one thing that's just keeping you a little bit farther back than you could be, right? Yes, so much so. And it's so powerful when they are ready to accept it. So that's the thing about meeting them where they are because mm -hmm. we can't force it. If the person is not ready to hear it, they're it's going to go right over their head still, just like when they were saying it to themselves. But when they are, and that connection is there, they move so much further because it's like, okay, they did know. They did have it in their mind. They have said it. And how many of us know the right things to do and we just don't? Mm -hmm. Until we hear somebody else say it. And then it's like, oh, maybe I should go along with that thing that I thought about. And some people need a little help to get there, to get them moving, to get them in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the beautiful thing of, of having a coach. And so my question to you now would be, how, are, how do you think about cultivating relationships as a person, as a coach, 
um, in and out of sort of your business. I mean, cause you're creating relationships everywhere as a nurse. That's what you're doing as a coach. That's what you're doing with your friends. That's what you're doing right everywhere. You're doing it. So I imagine you've gotten pretty good at it. <laughs> yeah. It's like building that connection and bringing value to every relationship, because if there's no value, what's the point of it? So now, yes, I want to have fun with, you know, the people that I'm hanging out with, my friends, but I want to bring value to their life. And sometimes just having that fun is that value. So creating those connections, bringing that value, being able to teach someone something, it just, it actually is empowering even for me to be able to do that for others to be able to build others up and speak life into them. And you're right. It's not even just in the coaching or in the nursing. It's in my everyday relationships. And now, since I've been coaching and and on this journey, I see people sometimes in the street and I'll stop somebody and say, wow, your hair looks amazing or just just some compliment and and smile at people because it's contagious and it brings something to them and it creates that connection even if it is just for a few seconds just for a moment so now i don't just create connections in the office i'm creating those connections everywhere that i go because it's what we're built for we're built to connect to other humans think about the um studies that have been done with babies that were ignored versus those who have been nurtured they flourish they thrive and i know being in new york we're always seen as the people that you know don't smile don't <laughs> connect just always in a rush now I am a fast walker. I am always walking fast, but I'm still gonna smile. I'm still gonna allow you the space to exist because I'm thankful that we are sharing this existence together. And so it's just about building those connections, whether for a second, for a couple of months or for a lifetime, those connections are so powerful. I I love what you said about the the small interactions, like those little sort of can come off as sort of a meaningless compliment, but meaningless meaning they have the absolute most meaning for that person, right? You have no idea how that person was feeling that day and you walk up to them, you're like, yo, shoes look really good today. That's a, that's a total game changer for anyone. One, if I'm having a great day, makes me feel even better. Like, thank you. I also really enjoy these shoes. I'm not having a good day. It's like, oh, someone like noticed me because like I took time to pick out these shoes, to get dressed, to have personal hygiene. When some days all that stuff is very, 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 very hard, right? Yeah. And then we went into our closet. We found these nice shoes that we haven't worn in a while. We're like, I'm going to put these on today. And then all of a sudden you're in the office 20 minutes or walking on the streets of New York and someone's like, yeah, I really like your shoes. And you, you just don't know where that person's going to go next. Maybe they're going to see 
maybe they're just not going to do something fun. They're like going to the bank and they have to like do some stuff that all adults have to do. But they have like a beautiful interaction with the bank teller because they're in such a great mood. Then the bank teller goes home and he has a great conversation with his wife because he's finally in a good mood because he didn't get yelled at by every customer that came into the building. I mean, all of these things, it's like, it's just a domino effect of kindness and, and cultivation of relationships and all of that stuff. And so I think that's wildly important just for us as people and, you know, for the future of our, our society, our society really. But yeah. So I have a, another question, sort of, uh, interesting one about coaching. What did, what did you have to, to learn about yourself, um, before you decided to make the leap into like trying to help other people? That boundaries are important and mm. I cannot help everyone. Mm. Every client is not for me and I am not for every client. I and it was it was a hard one to to swallow, a hard pill to swallow because my nature is to help people. Hello, nurse. And before mm -hmm. that, I was a nursing assistant. So it's like I've been in the field of helping my whole life, definitely my whole adult life. And it was like, wow, I, I, I can't I can't save the world. I can't hold the world on my shoulders. And that's OK. Because as I was able to learn that lesson, I stopped trying to help everybody. And that allowed me to help more people because I was helping the right people. Again, those people who are ready and receptive to me helping them. Because if you're not there, you're not ready, you're not for me, I can talk till I'm blue in the face. It's not going to make an impact. It's not going to make a difference. So that that was something I, I truly had to learn and, and take that step back. Like, you're not a superhero. You're not. You're just not for everybody. And that's OK. Well, you are a superhero. Just. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Superheroes don't save everyone either. You know, because they can't. It's it's impossible. Even people with magical superpowers, right? We just do the best we can while doing it. And this is the work you're doing. And the people that you work with do see you as a superhero. And so, and being a nurse for 20 years is is being a superhero straight up. So I don't don't discredit yourself whatsoever. I'll take <clears throat> it. I put it back on. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> And is that why uh, you decided to um, to work only with women? Yeah. And because just being a woman, I identify. And like I said, the, the client, my ideal client is me, is who I was in the past, mm. is who I learned to not be anymore. And just to be able to help others not have to take that long journey that I did is, is just so powerful. And I, I just do believe in empowering people. And I, I still do that because like I said, I work in a male dominated facility. So I'm always empowering my men there, but 
I'm not that demographic, so I can teach them the health stuff, but there's certain things that I just don't get because that's not my life. It's not my perception of the world. And while I obviously don't identify to every single woman's situation, it's a lot closer to home. I'm I'm teaching it from experience because I've I've been there. It was me. So now I want to help you to them. What do you think women are struggling with most in today's society? Whew, okay. There's two two big things that come to me. One is being able to prioritize themselves in this world where everything is so overwhelming and women in general just carry so much because women have to also be breadwinners, whether they're in a relationship or not. They often are the caretakers for the children. They're the caretakers for the home and still to have a social circle and to have friends and family, it's like, when is there time for me? When is there time for them? That is one of the main things, just not prioritizing themselves, not having that time. And the second thing is social media and body image Mm. and just, you know, seeing this one vision of what a body is supposed to look like in this day and age and having to deal with many people don't look like that ideal and they won't. So what do we do about it? We change the mindset. We change, Mm -hmm. we change right here in our heads because once we realize that there's things that we can do to make ourselves the best version of ourselves, life is just going to be so much more enjoyable because you're not trying to live up to these unrealistic types, these unrealistic ways of being. And as we build ourselves up, we realize we don't have to look like this social media person, this Instagram model, because it's it's so different. Even when I was younger, where people looked up to celebrities and whatnot and their body types, because while we still have that, now the Instagram model is sometimes the girl next door, the the person that you might actually know or speak to. And it's like, it's just thrown in the face so much more. And it's, we have to just find that mindset that we can work with what we have, what we are born with, and not the fact of, this body type that's going to go in and out of style. Like I have a certain shape. I'll never be the Kate Moss type because I'm I'm just not tall with that slim figure. I'm I'm a curvier individual by nature and okay, my shape was in style 
I guess a couple of years ago with the Kim Kardashian phase, and now it's going to a different one. Our bodies should not go in and out of style. Mm -hmm. And once we realize this, we can just move so much further along with taking care of our health and focusing there, focusing on health, on just being as healthy on the inside as well as in our minds then the bodies will follow, but the body is not gonna follow obviously on somebody else's spectrum. It's gonna follow on what's the right fit for us. Yeah, because I, I think, you know, young girls and teenage girls are getting the, the worst of this sort of body image, anxiety type of crisis. <clears throat> and because, you know, I can only speak from being a young man. Like I was very unsure of my body when it was like, but it happened to me at a later age. Like I was like 16, 17 when I started growing and changing. Normally for young girls, it happens at like 11, 12, 13, right? And so I'm a little bit older. So I've seen a little bit more now, like hormones are happening. I'm changing. This is changing. I don't like the way I look in the mirror. I look icky. This is out of place. This looks weird. Like we're just, and that's like those sort of feelings are normal. And we have to talk about that in a way that like, yes, you're not going to love every aspect of your body as you're changing and evolving and growing and adapting. And then you throw that on the top that you can see basically all of these naked people on the internet who have these shapes that are absolutely lined up perfectly because they figured out how to do it on the internet. Obviously, these people are in great shape and they look good. Like, you know, that's just that's on the side. But there's some things that go on to it that make them look absolutely symmetrical, perfect. And then the young girl who's been scrolling Instagram for two and a half hours and then goes to look at herself in the mirror and is like, well, I, what the fuck am I? You know, mixed with already the things that she's dealing with, puberty, hormones, boys, girls, schoolwork, sports, family relations, all of these things. You're just piling it on top. And then the fact that we don't like the way our body looks and then all these confusing messages that happen, it makes you feel anxious and it makes you feel unworthy and it makes you feel like you can't be loved or you're not seen. And this very, 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 very hard. And if we're not teaching these things, like making it normal to talk about them and understanding these in a way that these changes are going to happen throughout your life and you're going to feel different ways about yourself in the peaks and valleys of your life. But if you overall have this sort of sense of this is my body, my body is beautiful, my body does amazing things that I will never, ever, ever comprehend because it just keeps me alive. And if I can do just a little bit extra every day, like eat a nutritious meal, go for a walk, have a Zumba class, take my dog out to the park, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a weight training routine. You don't have to become the strongest man in the world, but you have to sort of do some of these things that honor your body, that tell you, that show you that your body is amazing because you're going out and you're using it in ways that are productive. And then we look at ourselves in the mirror we're like, I did that, I did that, I'm that person who shows up for myself. Yeah, my body is not perfect and it never will be. That's awesome. I'm human. This is great. Let's go out and live. But we have to talk to young people about it. And so then when they get to a, an older age where they have more life experience and maybe some relationships and different friend groups, they can they can speak about this stuff and they're not you know, climbing uphill all of their life with this this really hard battle about our body and things like that. And so and then I think about it in relationship to, to like men and women relationships. There seems to be like a little bit of friction in the men and women sort of sphere with marriage and family values and things like that. And 
I just feel like there's a lot to go into that, but we don't have to right now. But I just feel like if women are going to elevate themselves, which they have done over the last like 50 years, finally given the chance to do so, men also can't see that as a like a detriment to them, like an opposition. Like I have to defeat them for me to go up. It has to be an additive game. Like there's a big enough pie for every single person to eat a big ass slice. And if I'm going to elevate myself, then then if the women elevate themselves and I want to be attractive to women, then as a man, I have to then elevate myself too. So I seem attractive and competent and capable to a confident, capable, very valuable woman. And so we have to think about it like that, not like I need to smash this person, bring them back down to this level that they were at 100 years ago so it elevates me back to the level where I'm on top. That just is not going to work for anyone, for a suitable society, if we want longevity in terms of partnerships and real relationships. Oh, I absolutely love that. And just everything that you have said there, it just makes so much sense because, again, with the kindness and the connections as we continue to be with one another and build one another up versus try to break one another down, everything gets stronger. We all get stronger as a society. And just like you were talking about the men trying to bring the women down, there's also the women that are like, no, I don't need men. I don't need this. I don't need him. I can do it all by myself, but we need those connections. And we need to continue to build one another up while we are also building ourselves up because then we can be that confident, empowered individual ready for that confident, empowered individual on the other side as well. And even what you said about loving yourself, even with your imperfections, and that's something else that if we were to say, okay, if you don't love your body, that's fine. Find something that you do love about it. The fact that you can walk, that you can move, that you can get up in the morning, that you can hold your head up. Our bodies are so powerful and magical and magnificent, just like you were saying, because they do all these things. We don't have to think about it. I don't have to think really about lifting my arms. As, as I'm talking, my hands are just moving. And it's like, I'm not thinking, oh, I need to move my hands. No, it just happens. And our bodies are, are just so magical. And it, if we can appreciate what they can do from all aspects and appreciate what our fellow person can do and just continue to build them up. Like you said, it, it'll it create something magical even for society as a whole. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is, right? It's, it's people coming together to create partnerships, whatever two people might be, you know, but it is about a partnership. It's about elevating one another. It's about giving the person space to be them best their best selves while you're given the space to be your best selves and then meeting and then meeting at in those moments and um whether that be a friendship a one-time meeting whatever the case may be right but that's that's sort of where we have to get to but it it comes down to a personal responsibility right an ownership a complete ownership of you as an individual and 
that's extremely important and sort of leads me to my next topic, which is I, I wanted to bring up mindfulness because I think getting aware of our body helps us appreciate our body more and we can do that through a uh, any sort of mindfulness practice. So is there one that you enjoy or you do or you teach your clients? Oh, definitely. It's being present with yourself. And sometimes we don't realize how non-present we are. And so I'll have people literally tighten up their whole bodies and release one thing at a time. Okay, soften your forehead, soften your jaw, and I'll move all the way down because that's how we can get present within ourselves. Because we don't realize our shoulders are, you know, almost up to our ears because we're we're just such a tense society. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, that's where we start. And then just breathing. We don't breathe enough. We don't take deep breaths. We're always, you know, in that rush or what do we got to do next? Or when we get nervous, what do, what do people normally do? They don't breathe. They're holding their breath. They're not speaking. They're not. There, there's so much to just be able to calm down and find yourself when you take that breath. And it's not always easy. There's always things that are going to be on your agenda or on your mind or something that's coming at you that you're not quite ready for. But if you can just take a step back, (sighs) loosen your body, and then reassess, that already can shift your mindset. That already puts you in another space to deal with whatever it is that is coming at you. Yeah. The, I mean, very important what you're saying, very important about you breathing, feeling your senses, dropping your shoulders in, like getting into the moment. And the, the reason I think the mindfulness is so important, right? Cause you have to, you have to sort of do these practices outside of your everyday environment, right? I'm going to start a mindfulness practice. I'm going to try a couple minutes here, right? And so you're learning how to use your breath. You're gaining some sort of insight. You're gaining wisdom. You're gaining the ability to get present. And then why it's applicable, I think, to everyday life is that, say, I go to work today and my boss yells at me. He's done yelling at me. And then I go back to my office and I have like a minute, two minutes till I got to do something else. If I've practiced my mindfulness routine enough and I can shorten it to a 60-second routine, I can get my center back. I can get my calm back. I can understand that. In one and a half minutes, I have to make a really important phone call to a client. And if I'm only thinking about my boss yelling at me, how defeated I feel, the the Fs I made, on the, the fuck-ups I made, the this, the that, I didn't uh, put enough peanut butter on my kid's home, on my kid's sandwich, all of these things, we start to catastrophize everything. But if we can then take the minute and a half we have until this next massive phone call that could change our life, we decide to do our little mindfulness practice, yeah. Your people next to you might be looking at you weird, but you're just getting centered because you've practiced it outside of a crisis situation. And now you're in the sort of crisis situation, and now you got centered, you regained your breath, 
you're in control of who you are, you're in control of your body language and your self-talk and your focus. And now that call goes amazing. You crush it. And without sort of that practice, you don't know how that, of course, the call could have gone good without the mindfulness. You could have just crushed it anyways, but it could have gone really bad. And there's reasons why it could have gone really bad. And you can then begin to blame it on your boss and use that as, as an excuse and not take ownership and responsibility for the fact that you had a chance to do this practice, but you did not to because you hadn't learned it enough to implement it in a real life situation. And so I think that's what I think people get a little uh, caught on how maybe to apply it into a real life situation, but that's it right there. I mean, that's the nugget. Or it's like you had 10 hours at work. It was a really, really hard day and you just pulled up to the driveway and your two kids are in the house and your wife's making dinner or she has dinner on the table or there's toys everywhere and your dog's barking and you take 30 seconds in the car right there to just, right? Yes. And you walk in and you're like, dad's home, baby. Let's have a great night. I'm here for some deep love. You know, I'm here for some, the toys, you want to play football? You want to throw the cat? You need help with dinner, sweetie? Or like whatever it is. Like I'm just making stuff up at this point, but this is like a real thing that is going to happen a real thing. And so that's where we can apply what you're trying to teach to people in like a real situation, but they're doing it with you in a controlled setting. So you can teach them how to do it, how to breathe their cadence, what it feels like. Okay. Are you wiggling your toes and your fingers or your shoulders relaxed? all of these beautiful things that a coach is equipped to teach you so that when you go into your real life, you can handle these situations a little bit better. Oh, yes, definitely. And I love exactly how you put it. Like you just take that 60 seconds and refocus and recenter. And yes, and while they're doing it with me, I also want them doing it on their own, even in those non-crisis situations. And I want to give you all the tools and i always have people do this one exercise and if you want to do it right now we could do it really quick yes all right take your hand and clasp it and and just notice which thumb is on top okay. just have to observe it now switch put the other thumb on top how does that feel feels very strange Okay, now just switch your hands back and forth several times doing the same thing, different thumbs on top. And then I want you to put the awkward thumb on top. How does it feel now? Feels less awkward. Yeah. So whenever we're trying to do something new, it's going to feel strange. It's going to feel awkward at first. But the more we continue, the more we practice, it can be something else in our arsenal, or we might figure this is actually a better way and this is going to now be my go-to. So that's just like little things like that to, again, bring yourself to the present moment and bring your body and mind to that connection can be so powerful. Do you find that people, um, especially the people that you're trying to work with, do you feel like they think like coaching is about like making these massive changes when you're really trying to get them to make these, these tiny changes, which will have the, the biggest impact? Yes. Yes. Right before they come to me, that's what they're thinking. I'm going to transform everything and I'm going to do everything tomorrow. 
<laughs> today, tomorrow, my life is going to be completely different. Yeah. That is not realistic at <laughs> all. One, it's just not sustainable. Like, if if I tried to give up cheeseburgers, I love cheeseburgers. I, I really do. I, I'm a burger girl. If I tried to give that up for the sake of health, yeah, I do okay for maybe a, a couple of weeks, a month, but eventually that cheeseburger is going to get me and I'm probably going to have another one right after mm. and maybe another one because I've deprived myself for so long. But if I were like, all right, maybe I'm just going to have one cheeseburger this week and add in something healthier along with that, eventually I might need less cheeseburgers and mm. eat a little bit more of that healthy side, maybe that salad or put a little extra veggies on my cheeseburger when maybe in the past it was just burger, cheese, ketchup, bread. So it's just these these little changes make such big differences in our lives. And the same thing, even with our mindset, those little shifts, like you don't have to think, I'm the most beautiful person in the world and I have the most amazing body. But if you're just like, my body is powerful and I'm so thankful for what it can do. Maybe in a few days you might say, wow, my body is pretty nice. Right. It does some good things for me. And I like this aspect of it now i like my arms today they're looking wonderful or mm. whatever it is yeah i mean that's a that's an extremely important point because if you're someone who actually hates themselves and you have someone tell you hey just just love yourself that that you that's like that's like sprinting across the united states in one day it's like literally impossible right but exactly like you're saying i like this person, we know, like there's all parts of everyone here or listening knows there are parts of themselves that they just don't like, they hate, right? And if you force this sort of pseudo positivity, self-love kind of stuff, it just doesn't hit and it doesn't resonate, doesn't land well. But exactly like you're saying, if you can say like, okay, I maybe sort of don't hate this part, like maybe, that's a win, that's yep. a win. Because then like you're saying, the next day it could be like, all right, I, I, like I can tolerate this. Ooh, then like two weeks from now, it's like, ooh, I'm, I might be okay with this. Then like six weeks from now, it's like, oh, I'm this part of myself is all right. We went from despicable to all right in like six months. That's amazing. And then in another six months, it could be, I sort of enjoyed this part of myself. And then you're just slowly working on all of those different parts. Because I think that people um, overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in five years. I think Tony Robbins said that. I think I say it on this podcast almost every episode, and this is episode 145. So yeah. those that listen, uh, I'm sure that heard it have heard it before, but it's like extremely important, right? It's extremely important. Yeah, definitely. Just be patient with yourself. Give yourself grace with whatever it is you are doing. Because those changes, those shifts are not going to happen overnight, like you're saying. And yes, giving yourself a year versus giving yourself five 
to accomplish those big goals can be so powerful because it's like, oh, I'm not failing. I'm just pacing. Mm -hmm. And it's all about the pace, the pace that you choose to go is usually what's going to determine your long-term success versus maybe possibly some short-term results. Right. Yeah. Your direction is much more important than your speed for sure. Oh, definitely. But that leads me into a great thing, which is accountability, which is something that you talk about a lot, something that's extremely important to you. And basically what this whole conversation is wrapped up in accountability. So how do you, how do you talk about that with your clients? How do you get them to create some accountability in their lives? Well, we start off with an accountability agreement. Huh. Yes. So it's like you're taking account of what you are willing and what you are not willing to do. You're taking responsibility for anything that you allow to stop your progress or to get in your way. Because yes, emergencies happen, things happen, but we often allow things that don't need to stop us to do exactly that. Like you were saying before with the example of the husband who had a crap day at work and now he's going home, knowing he's going home to his wife and kids and the stuff is all over the floor. Now the person can decide, I'm gonna go home and play with my kids and enjoy the mess, embrace it, or I'm gonna go home in a crap mood, step on a Lego and be ready to curse everybody out. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with your health journey. Are you gonna let this person bringing in donuts derail everything that you're working towards? And you know what? If, you, if you're gonna have a donut, have the damn donut, it's fine. Don't have 10 and say, well, I messed up. I might as well keep on messing up. If I get a flat tire in my car, am I going to go puncture the other three tires? <laughs> no, I am definitely not. Gonna, uh, I hope not. Yeah, I'm going to put the donut on or have somebody else do it. I don't know how to do it. I should learn. And I'm going to drive to go get a new tire to replace the donut and be thankful that the other three tires are good. So it's the same thing. If I have the edible donut, okay, I've had it. It happened. Hopefully I enjoyed it. I'm going to take accountability that I ate it and I'm going to move forward with my life. I'm not going to beat myself up about it. It's not, okay, now I have to go run 10 miles in the gym or not eat for a week because I had it. No, again, be in the moment, be present, be accountable, realize that you did this, you made the decision to do it and move forward. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Taking accountability and ownership and responsibility for your words and most importantly, your actions. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, okay. I got a couple more things that I want to touch on with you. One, um, it was, uh, it's something that's on your LinkedIn. I've uh, caught my eye 
but it says uh, ordinary to extraordinary. Can you explain why you put that on there and what that means to you? Sure. So our ordinary life is that life where we are just existing. We aren't taking that accountability. We're giving our power away to so many other people, to so many other things. And we're just often shells of ourselves. But when you can take that power and that accountability, you create something great within yourself. You shift, you shift in mind, body, and spirit because you're, again, building yourself up. And I'm there to also build these women up that I work with and give them the tools to live their extraordinary lives, to have their extraordinary health, to be the extraordinary version of themselves. And I don't want them to work with me forever because if they have to work with me forever, then they're not living their extraordinary life. They're funding my extraordinary life. I want them to have the tools that once our relationship grows apart, maybe we'll be friends, but they'll be able to be extraordinary on their own. And they're living and they're thriving and they're just, being the best version of themselves and finding joy because they're not just existing. Hmm. Where should people go if they want to learn more about you or um, contact you for coaching? Sure. Um, my website is louisavalentine.coach. That's L-O-U-I-S-A, V as in Victor, A-L-E-N-T-I-N.coach. Or you can follow me on Facebook. I have my page by my same name. I am on LinkedIn. I'm not as busy over there as I could be. So yeah, my, my Facebook is where you'll usually find me. Great. Those links will be in the show notes for people to contact you. But my last question, second most important question. First one was at the top. Last one for the bottom. Here we go. So if you, Louisa, were going to put up a billboard and millions of people were going to see this billboard every single day, what would you put on that billboard? Live your extraordinary life every day. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I, I stole this question from Tim Ferriss. Okay. So don't think that was an original question. I just want well, to put that out there every episode just to make sure. And at one point, Tim, my favorite podcaster will see it and it'll be like, thanks for the credit. So <laughs> just putting that out there. But I love that. I would put that on a billboard right now if I could, along with the other beautiful things that people have said on this podcast. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for your insight. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. I, I truly appreciate you. And again, thank you for sharing yourself, your time and your platform with me. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into that episode. I hope you realized and understood the importance of a mindfulness practice and how it can be applied to real life situations and how important accountability is to your overall development. But if you enjoyed that episode, please share it with a friend. 
because the podcast grows from people like you sharing it with people like you. And please leave us a rating on Spotify or Apple. But the best way to support this podcast is through Patreon. Patreon.com slash Aaron Mashbitz directly supports me, this podcast, and my mental health nonprofit, You Are Loved. But most importantly, above all else, please take good care of each other and yourself. I'll see you next time. Lots of love. Cheers.